0: All right, this is Chance of Gaming Podcast, the Chance of Gaming Podcast, episode 109. I'm Adam Chance, and with me always is Richard and Roy.
1: Good evening, everybody.
0: Hey, I'm uh, Roy, and I live in
2: West Michigan. That's Holland, Michigan, as we discussed before, the hometown of
1: Betsy DeVos. That's right. I'm Rich, and I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. So Which is what? currently at about ninety-five degrees and one hundred and five heat index, so it's a <laughs> beautiful June day here. Yeah,
2: it was a roaster for me too.
0: Yep, I was mowing the grass. It's like ninety-nine, and yeah, <laughs> at, at like five o'clock at night. <laughs> that's terrible. And I'm like, Ugh, I have to finish this because I have this podcast. See, optimally, I'd be mowing right now because it's not that you know hot. It, the sun has started to go down. So, but anyway. Mm-hmm.
1: Now we are recording this on Father's Day, so I don't think I should be mowing anything today.
0: That's a good point. It is a good point. I I tried to hit my wife with the jo- you know cuz the joke uh, the internet joke with fathers is the white new balance and they, oh, yeah, they take their cargo wife cargo
1: shorts <laughs> and they, and they take
0: their wife out to eat it out back. <laughs> and so yeah, I I I was I had been joking. I was like, "Hey, I'll shine up my new balances and you can take me out to eat it out back." But, no. I ended up mowing the grass. So, there you go. Anyway, um, I was just going to comment kind of on viewership. I took a look at the numbers again yesterday after not looking for, like, three episodes, two or three episodes. And uh, it's really interesting. Uh, we are, have developed an audience. And I think that's really neat because there's we do little to no advertising. If you got here via my signature on a forum, I mean that's one way. I did have a guy in Bartertown message me that I was dealing with. He was like, I listened to your podcast, and I also <laughs> I also went and watched the films you put up on YouTube, and read your Twitter. And I'm like, oh, okay, just a little. Is that good? And, you know, does that mean you're gonna hide in my bushes? What does it mean? I just want to buy your tyrannids, man. Uh, anyway. So, yeah, I, it's it's just neat to me that we are growing an audience, and the numbers are very sporadic. They'll drop, spike, drop, spike higher than they did, and I I don't know I don't I don't get any rhyme or reason. I know some of it is new people that come, and I guess they're like, hey, I really like that latest episode. I'm gonna go back and listen to some other ones. I guess I don't know, but uh, anyway, you can find us at chanceofgaming.com. Uh, Chance of gaming at Twitter, and honestly, that's where I'm the most active. You can get on there and talk to me and comment and whatever, and some of you do, which is great. I've started to get five or six people that are commenting on everything I post, and that's kind of neat. That's I like that. That's that's what I want. I want I want a cult following. All I want out of this is to be <laughs> able to get into local cons for free. That's all.
1: And for your worshippers to chant your name, right?
0: Yeah, if if they have to, I won't, I won't say I won't say no. <laughs> But yeah, we're at Patreon.com/slash Chance of Gaming. So yeah, that's where that's where we're at. Twitch, we're all that stuff. So anyway, we like stock the podcast out with kind of like, what are you playing lately? And uh, I know yesterday was Free RPG Day, and my local shop did not get their stuff. And apparently, this was a thing. They only had a certain amount, and they didn't get it. And there was one particular module I wanted. It's for the Lamentations of the Flame Princess uh, rule set, Eldrick Cock. That's what I want. Say that I, again. Eldr- <laughs> Eldrick, Eldrick, Eldric like uh, Cthulhu. Eldrick Cock like chicken, maybe. Okay. I don't know. It does. It does have a. Chi- <laughs> it does have a chicken on the cover, so I'm gonna I'm gonna assume. And I'll link this in the sh- in the uh, the show notes. Anything we talk about that, I'll have I'll try to have linked in the show notes. Uh, but, yeah, uh, last year I picked up from uh, the same rule system vaginas are magic, and uh, which was great. Uh, it's a cool little rule set and is actually, you got it for free last year, and I think it's going for about 50 or 60 bucks on eBay now. Wow. So, so yeah, so I really wanted a copy of Eldritch Cock for my collection and maybe Magic Chickens. I don't know. So, I didn't get any. Did you guys make it out to free uh, RPG day? Uh, I'm not aware of
2: any place around me that, that supports it, so no, Yeah, unfortunately, i Yeah,
1: unfortunately, I've been, work has been crazy, and I thought I was going to have to work yesterday. I didn't find out actually until a couple of days before that I wasn't going to work, so I ended up not making any plans and not going to a free RPG day. Um, I've done it in the past. A couple of years ago, I, uh, I GMed a Star Wars RPG game, just a, a one-shot for some people, and had a good time, good experience, uh, but no, nothing yesterday
0: yeah honestly last year was the first time it ever appeared in my area because we got like a new um a new shop and they were like oh hell yeah they're like we're gonna do everything you know we're we're gonna do all this stuff and you know blah 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 and yeah so we're we're gonna do free rpg day and it was big it was huge it was a huge turnout and i got all kinds of free stuff and yeah it was great but nope sadly nothing
1: yeah i know online there's and i didn't check yesterday uh but there's often a lot of you can find a lot of free independent rpg you know small stuff you're not gonna um but the drive through rpg will often have just tons of free stuff available on free rpg day
0: oh that's cool i never thought to uh to look over there
1: yeah and i don't know if they did yesterday but i think they did last year and i wouldn't be surprised at all if they did that yesterday all right. So we'll come back to it a year from now and see if they
0: do. Yeah, cool. Uh, I'm also uh, – I have not been gaming lately. My time has been consumed uh, other places. In fact, next weekend I will be working our local convention and, with the local shop. I'll be volunteering for them. And uh, so I've just been kind of preparing for that. I have been looking for a painter for my miniatures. And I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I do a lot of miniature gaming or at the very least I buy a lot of it and um, I pay other people to paint my stuff and uh, I kind of have just been looking for a new guy and um, yeah I was surprised at what I saw I try to gauge prices based on what would you charge me to paint to assemble clean and paint an average infantry guy like a space marine or an imperial guardsman just him just a regular guy and it's been crazy to me uh looking around it's like a lot of people are wanting 20 to 30 dollars per figure
1: wow so so uh, a set of troopers in star wars legion seven figures 140 mm-hmm. dollars. is that what what kind yeah, of quality are you getting for that because that seems a little high for me. I'm I am a very very amateur painter, but as I was thinking about this because I saw your tweet and I saw the one guy I think he kind of jumped back at you, gave you a little hassle. Um, a little bit. But yeah. I was just thinking about it, thinking if I had a decent amount of skill, what would I charge? And probably for seven troopers, I'd I'd probably charge a hundred. Just because for it to be worth my time to do all that and put out a quality product, that's what I would want for it. That's not to say that that's what it would cost me to do it, but for it to be worth my time, that's probably what I want. It's going to take me – and again, I'm very amateur, so other people are probably doing them faster and more skillfully. But for me to paint seven troopers is going to take me probably four hours.
0: Um, so I know. don't
1: think $100 is unreasonable for that.
0: Uh, my okay, I absolutely believe you, you should charge what you're worth. I know in in my own business in doing freelance videography and audio and whatnot, you know I you know I'm charging what I worth, what I'm worth or I'm not going. you know, you can offer me a freelance gig and it be in it if it's not if it's under what I do, no, I'm not doing it. And I get that. I do. But I have certain expectations though. I have been getting miniatures painted for probably 20 years now paying people to do it and in fact I dealt with one guy for about 11 years or more 11 to 15 years the same guy and um, the main problem with them is especially like when you get local guys. I love dealing with local guys because I can go to their house you know yeah there, there's not a problem there's like you can't you can only dodge me so long before i show uh-huh. up at your work or your house and be like what what's going on man where's my stuff and see that's the thing is if you're gonna charge me 20 to 30 dollars for an infantry guy i expect a high quality level of service now, we can talk about, like, pictures of of your work and, like, that. And that's, yeah, I expect that, too. But when it comes to service, because, man, I've dealt with so many that just flake out. They, they, they get the idea of, like, you know, hey, I'm doing this, and I'm going to make some money. And then they start taking on, they take on more clients than they can support. Simply because they look at this pile of plastic, and they're like, wow, when that's done, I'll be $5,000 richer. But that's they don't take into the uh they don't take into account it's gonna take them six months to paint all that, at least, yeah. and their is gonna suffer because they're trying to just push through it and you know all this and it's just bad, and so if you're gonna charge me twenty to thirty dollars for an infantry figure, I expect to not deal with any of that. When you tell me the your stuff my stuff is gonna be ready on June twenty eighth, I expect to get it on June twenty seventh you know that's that's fine if you want to charge that stuff i i'm not dealing with all the crap that i normally have to deal with with painters
1: now when you say 20 huh? to 30 a figure who's buying the who's buying the the box you or them
0: well see that's the thing is not only am i paying 20 to 30 dollars let's just split the difference let's say 25 20, if i'm not only paying 25 dollars a figure i had to buy those figures first
1: yeah and that's another Twenty or so, depending or more, on the game, but yeah, yeah, I'm just
0: yeah. I'm just basing this whole
1: thing on let's say a, a set of legion troopers. Yeah, and it's twenty dollars for a box. So,
0: and don't even get yeah. me started on people that are like, oh yeah, I put, but my, then I have award-winning painting skills.
1: Yeah, then for an eight hundred point army, I mean, you're talking six, seven, eight hundred dollars, maybe. It's a lot <sighs> yep. of money.
0: Yep, it is. Boy, I, I know that's
1: just not worth it to me.
0: See, yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not to a lot of people it's not and I, I completely understand that but and of course nowadays I've gotten into hey I, and of course I'm gonna I'm now that guy I assemble my figures and play with them instead of getting them painted <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just just to be kind of kind of cheap I bought an army that was mostly assembled like 98% assembled and I've just been playing with it just bare plastic and I am perfectly fine I'm like eh I'll get this stuff painted maybe one day.
2: <laughs> Is this for 40k?
0: Yeah, 40k. Okay. Yeah. I've been doing I've been all doing right. that in Age of Sigmar more than anything. In fact, I've been assembling some Age of Sigmar stuff myself on my off time at work. But yeah, I, I've gotten into that. I'm like, yeah, there's no rush.
2: You know, I see the figures that go through Barter Town and through uh, the the Reddit Mini Exchange and and all that sort of stuff, and I see a lot of like. Well, these are like half painted and partially assembled, and like I've got like five like totally done. That's worse. And so, yeah,
1: <laughs> I would rather have so you, a full set fully painted or nothing at all. Because if it's yeah. half painted, that's worse.
2: Well, and if it's a color scheme you don't quite like, then you're kind exactly. of you've had to find a way to strip it, and it's real hard to strip plastic, I believe, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is. Because I had when I had my my Legion guys. I mispainted a couple of them. I've got six uh-huh. squads of rebel troopers all in a different color scheme, and I mispainted two of them so that they were on the wrong squad, and then I ended up having to strip those two and repaint them, and it was a huge pain. I soaked yeah. them in simple green overnight, and it was still a pain to to strip them.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, like with a metal figure, you can you can use a lot of harsher solvents, too. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, plastic not so much.
1: I haven't seen metal since I was a kid and played D and (laughs) D the old, the old pewter figures.
0: Well, I've got a,
2: go ahead. I've got a lead. I've got a lead bloodthirster that uh, is assembled and has a base coat of an off white. I had planned on doing it kind of like an albino sort of thing. And I just, I don't know. I haven't gotten any farther with it. So yeah, I do have some metal figures.
0: Uh, You mentioned simple green. That is the, best way to do it in my opinion just in the sense for health reasons that is the best way to do it it's not perfect but it's it's really good soak it in simple green and of course when that became popular i had trouble finding simple green nine times out of ten if you go to walmart or wherever it's in the automotive section
1: oh yeah i just got mine in the cleaning products i got it at walmart in the bottle it, it was cheap it was like three bucks or something so yep it is. And, I use that I, at
2: work to clean off saw blades. Yeah, like ta- table saw blades. It takes the, the gunk right off of there.
0: Really yeah, it makes sense. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I know it's it's like it's good it's good for the environment it's it it's not poisonous to you you know you can get it on you and so yeah that's that's what I recommend. It smells Th- good too. <laughs> yeah. That being said, for not healthy and poisonous, you can actually <laughs> so you you can soak your figures in brake fluid. <laughs> that works uh, it,
2: plastic it, figures
0: yes yes okay it, it will All work right. in brake fluid and and of course you know you need to wear gloves and and stuff like that to handle it and if it's solid metal no plastic whatsoever if you really want to get it clean oven cleaner ah. and of course you know how bad that stuff is you know it just burns your lungs and everything else yep. but yeah but yeah, you're now, you're right on Bartertown and stuff like that. When I see that kind of thing, I don't mind buying junky miniatures like that. But you're going to sell them to me at a huge discount. Mm-hmm. I'm not now paying for, all near for all the listeners. For all the
1: listeners who are now gathering up their little slags of plastic as they listen to the advice, that email is Adam at chansomgaming.com, <laughs> and you can send your complaints to him.
0: Well, it's chanceofgaming at gmail.com. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. That's it. Close enough, yeah. yeah. So
1: that's where they can send their complaints, as they just threw away $100 worth of miniatures. It all, it all melted.
0: Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Anyway, uh, the, the next thing I had was I've, uh, I've been with my current wife for about six years now, and just this past week, she finally was like, hey, if you died... How much is all that stuff you have worth you
1: know?
0: <laughs> and how would we go about like selling it? Have you guys ever had that conversation with your wife? I have no, not and she, uh,
1: she's a listener, so I should tread lightly but <laughs> she uh, she's very very understanding of my little obsession with buying games, and uh, I have no idea what she would do with my games if I kicked the bucket.
0: Now, in my old club, we had one guy named Tim, and he was the guy that all the widows went to. <laughs> we <were> like, <laughs> I'm, I swear to you, he was the guy I, I think I can think of like two people offhand that died that Tim ended up buying most of their collection off the widow or the, or the family. Oh. you know he's he's like the guy to go to, but I mean like with my stuff, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like he's like, well, can't you tell me? you know I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, it all depends. It's like, is the, it, what condition is it in? Is it painted? Is it the current sculpt, you know, of, what, you know, so all what that. So what you is, need to is do print.
2: is in your will, you need to name somebody as kind of the, the uh, uh, what's the, the executor,
1: executor? Yeah.
2: of your, of your, of your miniature estate. So, you know, like all the other stuff, like the car and the house and everything, you you know, you can let some. Some uh, pencil neck deal with that, but you need to get a a, uh, a straight up nerd that you are trust to like value your stuff for you and help your wife out and help your widow out.
0: Yeah, cause I mean that's that's like the thing is like I'm like just take it to the local shop and you know they I, they will at least tell you what it's worth. Hell, they may buy some or most of it off of you, you know. And just mm-hmm. there you go. I don't know, but yeah, it just I've never had that conversation before, so it just kind of threw me for a loop. So, yeah,
1: <laughs> there was an estate sale about a month ago, just two or three houses down on the other side of the street. And as I was walking past and it wasn't advertised or anything, I just saw the sign go up, say estate sale. And my first thought was, hmm, I wonder if he's an ASL or nah. I wonder if I can find some some old out of print modules that I can pick up for what they don't know that they're worth.
0: <laughs> yeah you know that kind of brings up a good point every now and then i see people that are like i'm getting out of the hobby you know and uh, i I see that too with with asl sometimes yeah and it's like a massive collection tons of stuff that are out of print and they're like i want five thousand dollars for it and yeah it it may be worth like fifteen thousand if you sold everything together but I always wondered. I always want to go back and be like, "Well, did that actually sell? Did did somebody pay five thousand dollars for it?" You know, I see people with like, I'm getting out of forty k. Here's just tons and tons of stuff. Like, literally, you could just open up a store and sell this stuff. And they're like, "I need three grand for it." Who has that kind of money? You know, in this hobby, to just go, "Oh yeah, I'll buy that." You know, just bang. Yeah, I don't know. That's a super (laughs) duper
1: commitment. I'd, yeah, yeah. I'm, t- I'm thinking about selling my X-Wing collection, um, and I'm not even going to ask a lot for it, and it's not worth that much because I didn't have that much. But honestly, I would rather lowball it and get rid of it because I don't think I'm going to play again. And I'd rather just have the space and have a little bit of cash for it and get rid of it than try to milk what I put into it.
0: I I agree with that completely. I would rather try and, and lowball than actually try and get close to what it's worth. Because the reality is, you can. It just You'll spend t- so much time eBaying it and yeah. packing it up. and You're going to have to
1: break it up, and you'll just end up spending more time and shipping and all that. And if I can find someone to buy the lot, even for not what it's worth, then, hey, let them piece it out. Good for them.
0: Yep. I remember I actually bought an X-Wing collection like that. I want to say I paid around 100 bucks for it, or 100 or 150 it had this nice battle foam bag with it and everything and Uh. then i decided i'm not getting into x-wing i'm not gonna do
1: this (laughs)
0: and i sold it all to my local shop for 200 bucks and kept the battle foam bag so i made 50 bucks and got a bag out of that deal
1: yeah that's not bad that's what i need now is a battle foam bag for legion
0: Oh, I will tell you guys. This has kind of been on my radar lately, and we'll get to that segment in a minute. Um, magnetic cases.
1: I've thought about that. I've thought about magnetizing the bottom of my guys, and I've seen. I haven't seen it, but I've heard a guy on another podcast talk about. He just sticks them to like a cookie sheet or something and carries them around that way.
0: Man, <laughs> I, I swear I have seen the light. This dude came in with his Malifaux collection with a case about the size of one of those college dorm refrigerators. (laughs) It was, man. And just flipped it open and pulled out the little trays. And Uh. all his elaborate, beautiful figures were perfectly fine. They didn't move. They didn't jostle around. I struggle even with foam, with big, elaborate uh, figures getting damaged in foam. It, It just pisses me off. And um, I'm getting tired of it. So I'm, I'm really thinking I'm going to move over to a magnetic case.
1: Hmm. Well, something. I haven't haven't bought it yet, but I'm going to have to buy something soon because my Legion guys don't – they obviously don't fit in the original box. So I'm going to have to figure out something to do with them. I've got a full army painted now. and. Need to find a way to bring them into the game shop.
0: Yeah, I'll send you the link, and I'll post it in the show notes, too. Um, so everybody can experience from this particular company uh, I saw from the guy that brought in his stuff. Uh, yeah. but I know I, I have a crappy one. Ah, Table War. Table War is the name of the company, and it's uh, tablewar.com. Uh, they sell, among other things, uh, cases. And they're decently priced for what they are. I pay way, as I mentioned on Twitter, I way overpaid for a, a quote-unquote a case. I paid way too much money for that thing, and I kickstarted it. And kick, I guess Kickstarter means you kick yourself in the ass because you backed it. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, yeah, Table Wars, who I would recommend right now, because that was the the case they brought in. It's like the size of a freaking. Uh, dorm room refrigerator and it's about 150 bucks i think it's not bad at all really big anyway moving on to rich has been playing asl starter kit
1: that's right i'm continuing to uh spread the gospel of asl trying to get as many people to play as possible so playing more asl and i i love the starter kit i've said it over and over again um i think I can't believe that M MMP doesn't just keep that all the starter kit in print because it's it's a great way to get people into a great game. I love playing full ASL. I love playing starter kit and play it as much as possible. So did play more ASL starter kit and played some pandemic legacy again. Uh, my daughter and I are up to I think we finished August. We're into September now and we can see the end game now so don't want to give any spoilers away, but you find out something in September that gives you a clue as to what the end game is. So looking forward to that. I have a feeling that I think I said this before, but I think one of these nights we're just going to go ahead and binge and finish it off. But uh, I know Roy, you're used you to playing pandemic pandemic legacy season two. It's been a while, but uh, okay. yeah, it's, it,
2: I don't, I do not own a copy of it.
1: So oh, okay. I just
2: kind of play it when Hard- it comes to me
1: part of it is my daughter every time we want to play she wants to play again and i always tell her i can't really play it two times in a row because it's just so tense and i enjoy the game but it's so tense that i almost need a break from it i've got to i've got to do something more relaxing after i play <laughs> pandemic legacy but i do mm-hmm. enjoy it so been playing that and Fields of Fire, which I talked about on one of the previous episodes. So I finally got that one again and actually made it through a whole scenario. So I'm starting to get my head wrapped around the rules. And it's a it's a tough game to get into, but I'm really enjoying it now that I'm starting to understand it better. Um, I think we talked about it a little before, but it's um it's a tactical game. Um, the sort of the theme of the game is uh, the Chain of Command. So it's about... You play a a company commander, and I guess in some scenarios you actually get battalion commands as well. But basically you play a company commander. You've got three or four platoons plus a few attached weapons like mortars and some heavy support weapons, stuff like that. Some of the scenarios you have vehicles and helicopters and tanks and such. But basically you're a company commander. There's World War II, Korea, and Vietnam uh, scenarios all in the box. But you get a small map that's just made out of cards you lay down on the table you put them like in a grid say four by three, and every card has you know woods or a building or a church or a swamp and and that's the that's the scenario so every game has a unique map basically and you move your guys across the map you don't know where the enemy is uh you there's no dice in it, but the cards themselves have basically dice rolls built into them they have, they have things that can happen like uh, if you want to call an artillery you play a number of cards and you have to you have to get one of those cards that says artillery on it if you want to try to sneak into a hex that has an enemy unit on it you play a number of cards and you have to find the sneak symbol on your card so that's how they do what would be dice in other games um and it's it's really fun it's it's frustrating in a good way because sometimes you've got your guys in place ready to move and you turn over your command card and oh I only get one command this turn. What am I going to do with it? So hopefully I've got some saved commands, hoping I can do some other things. But sometimes your guys will get locked down in a firefight and either because you're too far away from them to give them commands or you just don't have enough commands to give them. They can just be getting chewed up and you really want them to move on and do something else. So fun game though. I, I like it. And who puts that out? Uh, I think that's that's an MMP. No, not an MMP. That's a GM, GMT game. And then, like I said yesterday, I thought I was going to have to work, but then I didn't have to work. So I had a group of guys, some friends that were looking for a sixth to play Twilight Imperium 4. So I got to play <laughs> that yesterday, which is an amazing game. That's. I think that one is surpassed Scythe and is now my second favorite game. Uh, it's the second time I've played it. So I always – I don't like to really rate a game until I've played it a couple times. It's just so good. Uh, it takes – the first time we played it, it took literally all day. We took lots of breaks, but we went from 9 in the morning till midnight, and it took that long. But this time we played pretty much straight through, and it took about eight hours. Um, full six player game it's just you know you set up the galaxy map you randomize it there's 17 different factions in the box they all have unique abilities so it's a very customizable game you can pick your faction randomly or you can just pick who you really like and play them Uh, but basically you're trying to it's not so much about blowing up the other guy's ships although that's fun to do um, but it's, it's, there are objectives in the game that you're trying to win to get victory points. And the first person to get victory points wins the game. And it's literally as soon as someone hits 10, the game is over. You can play to 14 also, but we always play to 10. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's, it's a big, huge game. I think it costs 130 bucks, and it's, it, the box is absolutely packed. Um, and it takes eight hours and six people. I've heard you can play it with three, but I. part of the fun of the game is the temporary alliances that form during the game because there's, uh, there's some diplomacy aspects to it. Uh, but if you like epic games, I would highly recommend you try to find a way to play Twilight Imperium.
0: It's on my list, but man, I don't know. With my ADD and yeah, <laughs> just, just being able to sit down there, I don't know, I might get twitchy. So, Roy, you were playing <laughs> Twilight Imperium 3. Yes. So, uh, my a lot
2: of my family is out of the house right now. So, uh, our Friday game night, I said, well, hey, let's, let's get out Twilight Imperium and give that a go. And so, I have the third edition, and we played just the vanilla, straight-out-of-the-box uh, version of it. And uh, we played with three players, and it took us four hours. So I was envisioning that I'd, we'll just leave this set up and we'll pick it up next week. But we managed to, uh, to complete it. That's pretty so one for us. Yeah. One of the things that uh, I have been told about Twilight Imperium 3 is that the Shattered Empire's expansion is a must for uh, Twilight Imperium 3. And uh, one of the rules in, the, in 3 is the, there's the Imperial strategy, and in that one, it says if you choose this strategy, you get two points, just out of out of the blue. So, so it really pretty much guarantees that that's going to be taken every turn.
1: So here's how they do that in four. In four, that strategy, um, I assume you get to go eighth or in yeah. oops, that's yep. the highest number. In four, you get one point if you control. Uh, I always call it Optimus Prime. I know that's not the name of the yep. planet, but the name of the planet in the center that you're trying to get. Um, yep. If you if you control that planet, the Imperium's imperial strategy gives you one point.
2: Yeah, which uh, oh, there, the difference. shattered empires expansion has a has a replacement empire card.
1: Okay, um,
2: which does that. Um, so yeah, that's uh, yeah played through that, and so that was all right. I guess not much to say about that richie covered or uh yeah Rich, you covered quite a bit of so
1: the everything yeah so ti3 had you mentioned shattered empire i think there's another expansion for it as well and from what i've heard i've never played three but from what i've heard if you play both expansions on twilight imperium three it's not that much different from four okay so i yeah. think they're similar if you play with the expansions
2: the 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 technologies in four are a lot more streamlined than in three. Okay. In Twilight Imperium three, the different technologies are heavily dependent on what you had before. So, like to build this one, you need to have this specific technology. Whereas in four, you just have to have the um, type
1: of technology. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yep. Well, like yeah. There's two, four. Two, two green to build the the next one.
1: Right, there's four colors of technology, and they build on them. So some things just build straight up the ladder, and some things you have to have, like you said, two greens and a blue.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, Twilight Imperium Three is a lot more uh, granular, I guess, would
0: be the way okay. to
1: say it. I'm thinking oh, about picking have- up four now that I know I have yeah. people that want to play it. So
0: okay, four, four is the latest one, right?
1: Yes. yes. And that just came out maybe a year ago, year and a half. Not, not, too, not long
0: ago. Right. Right. I, I remember, cause I remember I, uh, a local guy I knew had actually bought a brand new copy of the third one and didn't know. <laughs> and then they, they came out with that one. So
1: Oh, that's brutal. Yeah.
0: So
2: one of the guys that I played with said, this is very much like Scythe, which when you mentioned that, yes. that it, it, you kind of put it over the top of Scythe, um, i thought that was interesting that like yeah you you can blow the hell out of the other character other players but um it's that's maybe not necessarily what you want to do right which i i had the l1z1x um mind net essentially the board
1: that's and they're like yesterday yeah okay <laughs> they're like all
2: fight 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 um and I just, I don't know, I, I never took that Imperial card, so I never got those two points. I thought, well, I'm just going to build up my infrastructure um, and just build, 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 and, and just overwhelm people with uh, uh, military might. And I just never managed to get up to speed because I never took those two points. The other players outraced me.
0: Now, this reminds me, have either of you guys ever played GMT's Space Empires? No, but it's I would love to, yeah. I, I it's one of those that I own and uh, I, yeah I have a friend of mine who's big into board games he owns a copy too and we've just never got down and actually played it I wonder about the the playing time is is 180 minutes I'm assuming that's if you know what you're doing and that's yeah. three hours you know
1: yeah because for if you're gonna play a full six hour game of Ti4 it's gonna be eight hours if you know what you're doing. If you're learning the game, it's going to be at least 12. It, I mean it's like it's like that for any of those big games. I mean, here I stand is the same way. Here I stand takes a long time if it's your first time playing just cuz there's a lot to do and you got to keep going back to the rule book, so.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's on my list. I'll do that sometime. So, moving on to Oh, did we talk about Red Planet? No. No, okay. Uh, yeah. Take take us to the Red Planet.
2: So uh, I, actually, I, I didn't actually play this, but I thought I needed to have something to talk about. So I mentioned it. I do enjoy Mission Red Planet. Um, so this is uh, it's kind of a steampunk theme. And uh, you have uh, a bunch of roll cards and each round you pick a roll card that you're going to play. And so like the pilot says, uh, place a total of two astronauts in one or two dock ships and place a destination token on the ship. And then eventually, once the ship gets filled, it leaves and goes to Mars, to various regions on Mars. And uh, after two or three um, rounds of play, then there's a scoring round, and whoever has the most population on a particular uh, region of Mars gets the, the the points for being there. And the points are variable based on what sort of resource is available. And uh, so it's thematically it's pretty interesting and it's uh it plays uh, maybe up to six players so quite a few uh and um it's i guess area control would kind of be the the, the genre you'd put it in but uh, mission red planet I've, I've played quite a few times and i enjoy it just about every time
0: it reminds me of that other one based on mars that's really popular uh have you guys played terraforming mars yes i've played that a few times any good
2: uh, yeah, it's um, it's it's mostly card driven. So you have a hand of cards. You have to buy them. Basically, you have to draft them for for credits into your hand, and then you have to to spend money to play them too. Um, so like giant space rock is one of them, and you can. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I, it escapes me what the giant space rock does, but I think it uh, you can like make a lake somewhere on on the planet
0: yeah if you Uh, drop the giant space lock it certainly will
2: (laughs) yep so you're working to get the oxygen levels up to an acceptable level which i believe is about uh maybe 10 percent 15 percent and the um temperature above freezing and so there's certain cards that say well you can only play this if it's above 4c um or you can only play this if it's below minus 10 city or whatever. Uh, so you kind of, you, you have your hand of cards that you draft each turn, and you say, well, okay, this one might be useful for me, so I'm going to buy that into my hand, and maybe I can get to the point where I can build it. So you're placing cities around the board. You're also placing um, forests and lakes uh, on the map and taking control of various things and... So, yeah, I've, I've uh, made that, played that maybe half a dozen times. I do enjoy terraforming Mars. Hmm,
0: cool. Uh, you guys, somebody mentioned Scythe just a while ago. Mm-hmm. I forgot to mention it is out on Steam now. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Oh.
1: I played uh, when it was in one of the early access betas, and I played it for a while, and yeah, it was. I was really looking forward to it just because I like the game so much, and I thought if I can play it. Against an AI, it might scratch that itch. Uh, granted, it was the beta, so there were some bugs in it, but it didn't scratch the itch at all. I mean, it just—it was the board and it was the movement, but it wasn't scythe. So, hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know what it was about it, but it just—it just wasn't fun to me. Maybe, maybe it's just more fun. I mean, I have played scythe solitaire. Uh, they have a nice little—they uh, call it an Automa. It's a deck that chooses the AI's moves for him. And it's, it's okay. It's fun. Uh, I don't know that I would even say it's fun. I've done it, and it's a nice little way to spend time if you've got nothing else to do. But Scythe with other people is way, way better. There are some games that are great solitaire. You know, we talked about Fields of Fire. That's a solitaire game. Uh, but Scythe is definitely a multiplayer game that has
0: okay. a solitaire option. I know I will probably try it whenever it drops. I recently picked up Ogre on Steam when it finally went on sale. Yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not paying full price for a Steam game. There's, there's no reason to. It, <laughs> Put it, it on your always, wish list
1: and wait for the yeah, email.
0: <laughs> it will always go on sale at some point. So, you know, yeah. And uh, Ogre's great. It plays just like the board game. It's impossible, like the board game, and yeah, it, it definitely scratches the itch for that game. For me. Uh, moving on to What's on Your Radar? And the first thing I had a friend of mine posted, well, I, I got the notification that he backed it. This is The Mountain Witch, samurai blood opera in mythical Japan. It's seven samurai meets reservoir dogs in this tabletop RPG about trust... Betrayal and confronting one's fate. So I dig kind of like feudal Japan and, and just that whole look and art style and genre and whatnot. Uh they wanted a measly ten grand as of this podcast. They have thirty eight thousand dollars with sixteen days left to go. And apparently this was a really popular game at some point. I've never heard of it. Have you guys heard of this particular game?
1: I have not heard of it. The theme no. sounds fascinating to me. I love the movie the reservoir dogs um the whole idea of linking that up with Seven Samurai sounds interesting, but this sounds like a one shot to me
0: it's It says the original was in two thousand four so gosh that was 14 oh. years ago yeah
1: no i mean like instead of it being an rpg system or oh, you don't right, right, you know, have yeah. camp, it sounds like a fun one shot yeah so it's i don't true. i don't know i don't know i've never bought an rpg just as a one shot
0: oh uh, i actually have a few that way that I, of course you know i don't play i just read them yeah, <laughs> um, I, uh, and I with this one I really appreciate the fact that for 15 bucks I can get a digital copy of the game. Although I'm a little wary if that is the price on for the Kickstarter, I would not be surprised if that is the price on um, Drive Through RPG as well. And so there's no real reason for me to buy into this, especially since it's already funded. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It just kind of... It's got a cool look to it. I like the title. I kind of was dragged in based on the title alone. You know, what? Who's the Mountain Witch? It's a, it's a blood opera. And yeah, so... Yeah, it does say it's a self-contained role-playing adventure in which players take on the role of Ronin in mythical medieval Japan. Outcast and unemployed, these samurai accept a job that no one else would take to assault and kill the dreaded Oyama, the Mountain Witch of Mount Fuji. But can these individuals who are haunted by their past and by dark fortune be trusted? No. No, I'm going to guess not. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's, it, to me, it sounds kind of like a co-op that you may end up working against your uh, party members. The next thing I had was Judgment the Game. And uh, this popped on my radar. And... Uh, I like it for just simply one reason. The figures are 54 millimeter. Oh, that kind. Yeah, that kind of sets them apart uh, for miniature gaming, because these things are huge compared to let's just say Games Workshop stuff is 30 millimeter. So these are almost double the size and uh, they appear to be well sculpted. They look really cool. Uh, they ought to be for the price, cause I'm looking at it, and these each individual figure sixty, sixty-five dollars. hmm As as big as they are, and this game itself is based on mobas, which what do mobas stand for? Stuff like League of Legends and something battle mobile. I don't know. What does moba stand for? It's just where stuff Multi- comes in.
1: Multiplayer online battle arena.
0: Okay. Yeah, so, and that's what this is. It It's on a very small playing field, too. It looks to be about three by three. And so you've got these huge figures that looks like you've got about three to each side, and you push them around, and there you go.
1: Yeah, it looks amazing. Even the board itself looks amazing. I mean, yeah. like, if someone was up at miniature market with this game, I would love to sit down and play it, but I'm not going to buy that. <laughs>
0: it's expensive i love the dwarf in the driving the tank with the flamethrower smoking the cigar that looks awesome you know i kind of want that model i don't know if i want it like you know 65 dollars bad but you know i actually reached out to these guys about an interview and they agreed but the only problem is this company is based out of australia So, when I contacted him last week, he was actually in the UK. And I'm like, well, that kind of helps a little bit, but not much. So He's like, okay, so this week he's going to get back to Australia and we'll talk about it. So, hopefully I can have him on there and he can better explain this. To me, it kind of reminds me a lot of Confrontation, but way less figures. And the figures are a lot better. So, I don't know. Have this dude talk to us and uh and see looks like wave one this was a kickstarter back uh, in 2017 of february and they put out 14 heroes and one monster and we're able to manufacture a two-player starter box What well, i want to okay yeah let's look at the i kind of want to look at the the shop yeah and this is the podcast we do where we actually browse the internet um while, <laughs> while we talk to you uh, okay <laughs> The two-player starter box is, it's 110 Australian, and looks like it comes with two figures, one smaller and one kind of big, and two cardboard standout figures. So that's kind of a way to save money. What is 110 Australian? That's 81, 82 roughly United States dollars. So. That's kind of cool, but you mean freedom uh, dollars? Yeah, freedom dollars. (laughs) Okay. And oh, yeah. And merca dollars. uh, Made out of. (laughs) We use them with. They're infused with George Washington's chest hair or something. You know, that's that's how we do. Or don't don't Uh to pay things. Yeah, made out of discarded toupees. Uh, Anyway. So that's good, but now I've always heard people that live in Australia complain about shipping prices. Like, it, it, they're always ridiculous to, like, ship to Australia. So I'm wondering, like, if I ordered this at, you know, $85, what would it cost me, you know, to get it shipped? Oh. So, I don't know. Just kind of interesting. Although... um Actually I can just add it to cart and hit checkout and let's let's see. Live on the air. Adam is shopping on the internet. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. You won't get this in any other podcast. Ah nah, I gotta create an account. I'm not gonna do all that. Anyway, we'll talk to the dude later and, and we'll see. Speaking of freedom dollars, I did forget to mention that I did find a painter that a guy I wanted to try out, and he's in Canada, where my freedom dollars go far. Yep. aren't
1: aren't we currently in a trade war with them though
0: yeah we're currently at war with uh with them yeah you're just gonna get them back a pile of
1: plastic
2: shards (laughs) Uh,
0: lord Cheeto's gonna fuck it up i'm gonna go to send it to him (laughs) him and they'll like they'll be like oh no sorry sir there's been a tariff on shipping to canada that'll be five hundred dollars to send this blame Uh, canada
1: blame canada
0: Boy, so I'm like, damn it! Just as soon as I found this, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Another Kickstarter is uh, Cigar Box Battle Mats is doing a Kickstarter. Are you guys familiar with Cigar Box Battle Mats? I'm not, but this kind of
1: brings back what we talked about last time. Um, you know, I've got I've got a great play surface up at Miniature Market, and once game night moves, I think they're going to have great places to play as well. And if I play at home, it's going to be a wood table and pop tart boxes and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool, but I can't see myself buying this for a home.
2: See, I like the notion of these. For are these like neoprene? Uh,
0: no. Um oh. <laughs> well, Okay. They what? Yeah, what they're actually made out of is blanket material. Do you have like your kid? You oh. or your kids have any like fleece blankets? Yeah. Um, you know, that you just kind of wrap up on the couch with or something. They're small. This is exactly what these freaking things are made out of. Like a Snuggie. Yes, it's it's Snuggie material. That's what it is. Ah. So, Cigar Box is really big in historical circles. People love these for like Napoleonics, uh, American Civil War, and all these different ones. They love them. But... See, I own some mats, and my local shop has a ton of mats, and they're all that mouse pad material. Yeah, I I, I really dig that. You know, it, yeah. it cleans easy. You know, and it's durable and doesn't shift. And, you can pick stuff off off it easily. Right. It's got that rubber backing, and it doesn't move. This stuff well, has. I, I've always been afraid of using it. Scared that I'll bump it, and it'll just kink up, and figures will fall over, and that'll be it. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So the uh, the website Table War that you mentioned with the magnetic boxes, they also have those mats too. Yeah,
0: they carry fat mats, I think, and that's who my local shop carries as well. Okay, and has Which, it has a ton of them.
2: I was going to speak about uh, another website too called Viking Mats, and they're neutral colored mats for board games. But we'll get we'll get to that.
0: Viking mats, huh? Yes. I, yeah, I don't. I've never really thought much of. Um, board gaming mats if that if that was like a thing it i didn't know that was a thing
2: well especially for cards like for like if you're playing dominion sometimes it's real hard to pick up a card off of a hard table surface
0: oh i'm taking a look at these and yeah i see what you mean it's like a big giant mouse pad yeah and so yeah the anything you put down on it it would be hard to shift like say um the 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 game you guys played uh that escapes oh, me. Twilight, yeah, Imperium. Twilight Imperium. Twilight yeah. Imperium. Yeah.
2: yeah. I've I've That's been so, drooling over these. I'd like to get one. Uh
1: yeah. I wonder how much. Let's see how yeah. much they are. I'd be much uh, more I, interested in this one than the other one.
2: They're about they're one hundred and twenty dollars for uh maybe a four x six. So I mean, the uh the ones on um uh, table war are only seventy five dollars, but of course they're they're uh, uh, terrain specific. But I mean, you could get like the desert one, which would be fine. That's not so distracting.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I see that. That yeah. That that's what I would suggest is just get the the cheaper option through them, and you can honestly shop around because a lot of companies make those mouse pad terrain terrain ones. Okay. The on, the only thing I actually that sort of interests me with this Kickstarter is the mats are cheaper. For a four x six mat, just buying it from Cigar Box Battle, and I'll have this linked in the show notes, uh, it would cost you sixty nine ninety nine. If you buy it through the Kickstarter, of course, you can only get the new stuff that they're doing. It's fifty nine, so it's ten bucks cheaper to just get it through Kickstarter if you wanted it. So I don't know. I've I've hemmed and hawed about it and. Because I thought it'd be really good for historicals. They look awesome, but yeah, I just I worry too much about like it moving, and I mm-hmm. I don't know anybody that owns one. So if I spill beer on it, can I wash it? You know, I I need to know these things before I drop you know almost a hundred damn dollars on it. So
2: well, anyway, you could take these and maybe um, are they double sided?
0: No, they're not. Okay, that would be so too you could awesome. take
2: them and uh contact adhesive adhesive them to a piece of plywood and then that you know that would keep them from shifting around so much maybe
0: that's true but again if i'm paying 70 dollars i really it i feel like it shouldn't do that i shouldn't have to take the extra you know but that's just me Mm -hmm. so moving on um this thing appeared because a uh, they're putting out an expansion for it. This game is called Escape the Dark Castle. And I first heard the expansion for it that's on Kickstarter now, and I'll link that in the show notes. And it made me actually go and look at a Tom Vassell um, Dice Tower review of the game. And it looks pretty cool. I really dig the kind of old-school artwork and just the black-and-white bleakness of it. And, uh, yeah. I just really kind of dig this. I want to mm-hmm. see if I actually linked what the other one was. I guess I didn't. I probably should have done that. Anyway, I'll link it right under it in the show notes. But uh, this seems like a really cool game. It was kickstarted about a year ago. And you're essentially a group of prisoners trying to escape a castle. And it's all done through a card draw mechanic and you solve conflicts through dice rolls which are specific to if you chose the abbot or the smith or the cook or stuff like that. So, I don't know. I just kind of dig it and it's not really expensive at all. I think you can buy into this set for about 30 bucks. Something like that for about 30 30 40 bucks from um, Themeborn.com. i'll link this in the show notes because i can't freaking pronounce it's
1: that the manufacturer's the website theme, theme born
0: yeah theme yeah theme born that's it oh sorry it's 30 <laughs> pounds 30 pounds oh. wow that's really heavy <laughs> yeah it it defeats it defeats my freedom dollars with pounds uh, oh. you're coming in at about 55 dollars i think aren't you
1: this podcast Ugh. is going to be great for all of our international listeners. I, I know. They're
0: saying, they're like, what? They're like, what, the, what is he complaining about? You know, I spend that much at, you know, the, like we're, we don't have money in America. We, we, we don't, we have freedom dollars. And that one guy standing. They, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Some places they go far. Some places they don't. And yeah, England, England has us.
1: Yeah. So one so thing 30 I was looking pounds
0: up,
2: Gets to about $55 thereabouts.
0: Wow. Okay. Maybe. And that's just that's that doesn't count shipping from there. Oh. Boy. No. So I I see the uh the, they're kickstarting the expansion for it. it the adventure pack one cult of the death knight, and again I love the look of this game I love the art style and uh yeah I just yeah I don't know.
1: What I do I like that it says assuming that's correct two minutes to set up thirty minutes to play you can see from the picture. It's a very small footprint game. This looks like a great game to, you know, beer and pretzels game, you would call it. Mm-hmm. You know, just quick setup, fun to play, filler game, even maybe while you're taking a break between uh, another big game or something like Twilight Imperium 4. Yeah, so. It looks yeah,
2: like old like Advanced Dungeons and Dragons.
0: Yeah, Yes, first, first Absolutely.
2: Uh,
0: it, it's, I, I want to say it was described as like a choose your own adventure type thing where you just kind of go through and they're like, okay, you arrive at this path. What do you do? Do you do this or do you do that? And, yeah. I don't know. Maybe if they get, like, uh, um, a North American importer or something, I might be interested. But still, it's going to be, like, 50 bucks. And it's yeah, not that big. Eh. Yeah. Anyway. Moving on to uh, Great War Commander this is something that I noticed today and essentially what this is this is Combat Commander in World War I and I like everything there is about that sentence <laughs> and I will I, I, plus it, when you look at it it appears to be not only is it Combat Commander but it has tanks planes and artillery so I'm really interested in this game but I am not familiar with HexaSim. Are you familiar? Have you heard of these guys at all? I've heard of them.
1: I don't have anything from them. Um, this is another. It's a another European one, I think.
0: Yes, they always are Cause, yeah, <laughs> Great Great War Commander is seventy two euros. <laughs> man, which is eighty three dollars and forty three cents.
1: And I mean, that's not bad for a, a you know first line war game, so.
0: No I mean it definitely looks like it it has a bunch in it. I want to yeah. say this appears to be a French company I don't know, but yeah, they looks like they do a lot of uh, Napoleonic stuff okay and they they do I, I, they have a by shot, shock and faith five battles of the re, French religious wars looks cool to me as well, but you know I'll never get an opponent for this, so somebody that has this on vassal let me know so we can play. <laughs> 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 that's the only way I'll play this game
1: yeah it does look interesting I like uh it, it looks tactical which tactical World War one game I honestly can't even think of another one of those so well,
0: that's you gotta that that's charge, charge forward that's pretty cool right there I, yeah it, it looks cool and uh I, every time though I look at this and you look at the the um the price point, What do you expect when it comes to, like, components? Uh, I know I expect kind of, like, hard stock, a mounted map, and, you know, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, mounted maps, they're hard to come by nowadays. And it's one of those things that I don't look for in a game. But every time I open up a game and there's a mounted map in there, it's, like, a cool surprise. Because I'm not expecting to see those. But it is so nice when they're there. Like when I opened up D-Day and Pelu, we talked about on I think on the last show, uh, mounted map, and it's like, oh, this is great! I, you know, and I'm still going to put plexi on top of it. So in the end, it really doesn't make that much difference. But I do like the mounted map. But if I'm going to pay eighty dollars for a game, I'm going to expect. Um, I don't expect the mounted maps, but I do expect the the quality of the map. You know, the colors, the detail. I want it to look good. And I want uh, probably a decent number of counters, and counters are another thing. There's a lot of difference in the quality of counters. Some of them you pull out the cardboard sheet, and you're like, eh, these are terrible. And some of them you pick up, and they've almost got like like a ceramic clink to them because of whatever they do to the cardboard, the way they seal it, and you drop them in a cup, and they sound good, and all these little things that make a war game appealing, you know, not tactically uh, whatever, touching whatever that word is that I'm talking about like. tactile, yes, that's yes. that's the word I'm looking for, so
0: Looking at this, it says it has six maps that are double-sided so I'm going to guess these are not, not mounted, mounted. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah but if they look good, then that's okay because like I said, I'm going to put Plexi on it, and in the end it's not going to matter anyway
0: uh, The other thing I had this showed up on Reddit today and probably what the worst incident incident of marketing i've ever seen <laughs> it just smacks of half assery it was i can't remember i think it's in the rpg subreddit or something i'll try to link it but if they have any shame they'll have it deleted <laughs> by now it was like literally the guy just popped on and was like hey there's a new uh, rpg out he briefly describes it and then it's like, uh, and then just like leaves and just, it's just like, what? Ah, okay. Yeah. I did manage to pull it up. New tabletop RPG for those interested in the genre, the digital edition and the virtual polyhedral die set are 100% free. If you play D and D, then you are likely to enjoy this game. So he just, they dumped it on there and then they left. It's just a picture of it. And it's called Knights and Legends. And they just dumped that with a picture on it and left. And which led all of us in the comments to go, um, what? Like, I, I, I Googled it, or you could actually see the, um, the website in the picture, and, and you'll have this in the show notes. And I went to it, and it showed me that the digital edition was $1.99. And so I questioned that. And a guy was like, well, there's a separate link for the free PDF, which seems to leave out about 20 pages. Why in the world they posted but didn't give a link is beyond me. So there you go. (laughs) Uh, This sounds like a
1: guy that enjoyed playing D&D and thought, I can make my own. And this is probably a homebrew system that's just two or three other games he's hacked together. That would be my guess. It says
2: Carefully Crafted Masterpiece. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah Richard. I it it carefully crafted, <laughs> carefully crafted, and you know you cannot lie on the internet.
1: <laughs> that's, that's
0: like completely illegal, or something. But I, the, you know, I, the, the I, internet police will hard, come and get you. Yes, the, the the cyber police.
1: I like it how it I, says it, the hard copy edition offers over seventy six pages.
0: Is that good? <laughs> oh, uh, <six>. 77 Yeah. <laughs> you you know um, i will say you know i've always been interested in like writing a game but i just want to do background man i definitely don't want to ever be like well i'm going to come up with mechanics and stuff like that cuz all that stuff is kind of played out i mean yeah. what can you do every now and then it's like oh well in my game the 20 is a critical fail and the 1 is a critical success <laughs> i mean That's eh. been done
1: and there's even, yeah. there's even games that have, like, random numbers that do things. It's a D20 game where 6 is something special and 12 is something special. And there's a lot of stuff out there. But if you just – and I've got a, a – a, not a system, but a, a world that I've been messing with. And honestly, I'll probably never play it. I just do it because it's fun for me. Um, but there's really good system-independent RPGs out there already cipher system mm-hmm. is great um i haven't played genesis but i played star wars rpg and the genesis system is great there's you can play fate you can play there's tons of systems out there there's no need for some guy to come up with a new system come up with a world oh, you know you can have right. your own world but is it you mentioned is fate it, it go ahead go ahead
2: oh i'm i was just i was thinking about innovative systems is it dread that's
1: played with a jenga
0: tower Ah, that's what I was yeah. going to ask. I, I thought it yeah. was fate, but no, you're right, yeah. it's
1: Dread. I played that yeah. a couple of years ago. We played that on Halloween two years ago, I think. <laughs> now, that was innovative.
0: Yeah. Abs- absolutely. Like, wow, yeah. you got me right there. Just when I thought it's all been done, they're like, no, 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 dude. We got a Jenga tower. <laughs> yeah, This is how we roll. Yeah. Yep. So, we had Viking mats. Yes. That has popped up, and yeah, that's this is where we are. Did you have any of these, or are you just kind I of do not, or interested? I do not.
2: I just thought, I've been thinking like boy I would really like to have something like this to like a big mat to play a board game on and so I did some looking around and this is what I found so they're they're neutral colored there's some of them are you can get like burgundy or navy blue or whatever um, so they're just they're uh, uh neutral colors um, so yeah eventually I would like to have one of these but not for a while they are kind of spendy yeah, hundred twenty five like dollars the yeah,
0: just kind of... That's 4 by 6 right?
2: I think so, yes. So, uh, moving
0: on, who went to... Uh, who has signed up... Who's going to Dice Tower Con?
2: That's me. That's Roy.
0: All right. Yes. And you were going to play some games with Richard Borg?
2: Yes. So, <laughs> I, uh, a few years ago, I played the full D-Day Invasion, Memoir 44 version at Genton uh, with him. He was one of the hosts of the of the, uh, of the event. And so, and I'm still hoping maybe to play that at Dice Tower Con, but uh, I signed up to play uh, Memoir 44 through the jungles, through the jungles of Burma, I believe, um, with him. And then uh, a game of epic battle lore. So battle lore is the, the fantasy version of, of the Command and Colors. Is that yes, the that's system? What, okay.
1: That's what Memoir 44 is based off of, yeah.
2: Okay. Yep. Yeah, so Richard Borg is the designer of that, and he's going to be okay. there. So uh, I've signed up to play some games with him.
1: So yeah, and he's got – I think we talked about it last week, but they've got a new one about to come out in the same system that's set in space, I guess.
2: Yes. Yep. Yeah. So I, I, I believe that that will be on a recording day or recording weekend. So I will see about uh, talking to some of these guys maybe and, and uh, getting a, doing a little little interview.
0: That'd be cool. So, that would
1: be cool. Ask them if they're ever going to do command colors with the uh, stickers already on the blocks.
0: Oh, they're not gone. <laughs> oh, it takes a little it while.
1: Takes a long time.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, another thing, I I want to get a, a play of Twilight Imperium Four in there, which I know it'll happen, but I just you know I need to find the find a way to weasel my way into a into a seat. So. Looking forward to that
1: too. Yeah, that'll be a blast.
0: Did I ever tell you guys how often I confuse Richard Borg with Richard Berg? Richard
1: Berg, yeah, me too. I yeah. Every time one of their names comes up, I have to think, okay, which one are we talking about here? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is I, who is, is Richard month? Berg?
1: Richard Berg is he does some, he did Genesis and he's done a bunch of old school games, more of like a, a more of a kind of a traditional hex encounter guy.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, Yeah, I want to say there's there's stuff um, that he did that, yeah, it's that I wanted to play, and you have to you have to remember Borg did invented Command and Colors, and it's like Berg. uh, I think the last thing he did was Baroque. Uh, If I that came out this year, and I'll I'll have this linked in the show notes, um, which I want to say this was a Kickstarter that hasn't delivered yet. I think it just finished this year. But yeah, he he's done a good bit of like GMT games, like uh battle specific ones. I think he did Marathon and and some other ones. But yeah, yeah. he's just pretty pretty much a hardcore hex encounter guy. Mm-hmm. He's pretty famous okay. in the circles for the stuff he does. Yeah, looking at his uh board game geek profile, it's 19 pages long. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. All right. Moving on. Oh wait, yeah, Grand Con. Who's going to yeah. Grand Con?
2: So that's also me. Uh that's gonna be in nice. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um so after Dice Tower Con, Grand Con's the next one I'll be looking forward to, and that's in September. So, you know, after well, after summer, pretty much. Um, I've been there quite a few times. It's uh mostly a gaming con. There's a very little bit of costuming that goes on there, but it's a small local con. It's it's kind of getting its legs under it and getting a little bit bigger every year. So uh, there's, I'm sure there's still tickets available to go to Grand Con. So if anybody's interested... Uh,
0: yeah, looking at the pictures for it, it seems bigger than any local con that I've been to, at least with gaming. Yeah, it looks like uh, Gen Con level gaming. <laughs> well, looking at the so pictures.
2: <laughs> that, that picture, is that's the first year that they were in that convention center, before they were in a hotel. And they just they wanted to have the space to get a little bit bigger. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's still baby steps for them. But they're, you know, it's, it's, it's getting bigger. They're getting their legs under. It. All
0: right, so moving on to news. Uh, before we get to that, we're actually going to talk a little bit about sexism in gaming. Because two things popped up on Twitter this week I found interesting. And it just kind of gives us a chance to do a little social commentary. The first thing was a guy on Twitter, Dark Mechanic, posted a screenshot of a Bell of Lost Souls article (laughs) called Learn to Play Age of Sigmar 2.0 with Becca Scott. Uh, It's this attractive young lady, young, whatever. She's going to tell you all about how to play Age of Sigmar. And the comment section on this go about as well as you think they would where it just goes from I want to play with her instead on down to, you know, I would play strip 40K with her every victory point I earn. She has to take a piece of clothing off. I would ask, like, well, what if she beats you and you're just looking, you know, fat fat naked there in in the shop. (laughs) Yeah, fat, fat, pasty, and, you know, cold there and there. And, uh, yeah, I, I do, a lot of people mention, like, and this is why women stay away from wargaming. You know, she's a presenter, she's an actress, she's not a stripper. I mean, fuck, she's a person. Why can't you just, like, treat her like a person? Because women are yeah. people.
1: This is, uh, a, a, yeah, obviously a follow-up to what we talked about last time, and... Uh, Gen Con is still coming up a few weeks away, and right. obviously all this stuff that's happening now will be more ammunition for the people that say, this is why Anita Sarkeesian needs to speak at Gen Con. And I saw this, and my first thought was, this isn't necessarily a gaming problem, this is an internet problem, um, because, again, you've got the online and anonymity, hard word to say, um, but you just got people that, can say anything to anyone with no repercussions because they're not face to face. But then that leads into the next story where it was face to face and people are still acting like jackasses. So I don't know. It's it's people, man. It's it's we've talked about gaming cancer and cancer is spreading some t- in some places, I guess.
0: Now, you you mentioned that that's you're absolutely right in in the sense that um It's just people hiding behind a keyboard and are are just going to say, you know, whatever back there. But I guess it's kind of the weird thing is, is if you are a female and you read these comments and you're like, wow, I was really interested in in playing 40K. Now I don't want to go down to my shop and. and
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's I don't blame them. Yeah, not at all. And then that creates a cycle itself because now women are not playing 40K because of this crap and the guys that are, um, you know, across the spectrum, whether they're actually women haters or whether they are just even too shy to talk to women, but they're not going to play against women and they're not going to realize that women are normal people who like to play games. So it it creates a vicious circle that just feeds on itself and it's – it's disgusting. I mean – I speak as a guy that has three daughters, and um, you know, a couple of them really like playing games. So, it's definitely discouraging.
0: Now, yeah. we mentioned that this is something that you know, it's it's on the internet, it's behind a keyboard, blah blah blah. But the next thing I want to talk talk to is this is a developing story as the as we record this. Origins is ending today, or has ended at this point, and uh, Katie Adley. From Katie's Game Corner. Uh, some of you guys might know her on Twitter. She does a lot of wargaming reviews and news and stuff. A lot from GMT. Uh, she's contributed to the Dice Tower and Punchboard Media. Anyway, she alleges... Let's be careful here. Alleges that she was sexually harassed at Origins and it is by Mark Sirians of Veil Genius Games. She allegedly, he asked her to playtest his penis, and perhaps followed her to her hotel. So, that kind of, you get this, to me, you get this kind of behavior when people become kind of emboldened by how they behave online, and, and stuff like that, where you know if you can just you're used to doing all these crappy comments and saying these horrible things well when you ac- encounter an actual female in the wild i'm assuming you just think you can say the same things or is it a little bit of well i'm a, i'm a game designer i'm famous you know surely we, we aren't at that level with tabletop gaming i mean it's you're you're not even like a youtube celebrity or a soundcloud rapper you know you, no matter how big you are as a board game designer, you still just design board games. You know, you, you can't be that much in the grand scheme of things. Maybe you're big in the the industry, but I don't know. Do you think they have groupies? Is that, is that a thing?
1: The guy that we were sort of teasing, hopefully half jokingly with the, the, the RPG five minutes ago, you know, he's a game designer too. That's true. So I have no idea who this guy is. I've never heard of him before today. Um, the fact that he's a game designer doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, obviously, if, if Mark Semenich did this, that would be different. Um, but this guy is a guy I've never heard of who is apparently a game designer, and it sounds like he's a jackass.
0: Yeah. Officers, I don't know
1: that yeah. – I, I think what's important here is what's going to be the response from – origins and the response from whoever this guy's publisher is that I don't even know yet are they going to say you know what we're not putting up with this we're cutting ties with you or are they going to say ah he's just goofing around whatever that's going to make a big difference
0: uh, yeah it, it really really will and it, it's going to be how do they respond and it can go one of two ways sometimes sometimes gaming, you know, gaming companies are just like well you know Sorry, things happen, or whatever, and then some of them go in the opposite direction of, Oh, we will not stand for this. This is a, a friendly, family friendly area, and blah blah blah. And this guy's not welcome. I don't know, but it's it is weird to see this and to be like we're becoming more in tune to it now, I guess, because it's behavior that's just not acceptable. Maybe maybe this is the kind of behavior that people have been doing for years. And then finally, you know, we've gotten to the point where people are like, no, this isn't acceptable. I'm not going to put up with this. I'm going to out you for this. I mean, you're seeing a lot of that in Hollywood. And I guess there's no reason why it wouldn't happen, you know, anywhere in life, in gaming especially. To me, you don't see a lot of female gamers anyway, especially not... I would say it it starts with historical war gamers. There's very few. And then it gets gets bigger as you go forward where, you know, well, there's uh, a little bit more 40K players. And then uh, there's a little bit more board gamers. And then finally you get to, like, well, there's a lot of female Magic players. You know, it just kind of goes in that direction. But, yeah, this isn't something you should have to put up with you know at a con i mean shit we all go we just want to have fun we just want a game and yeah i yeah i can't imagine having to having to put up with this shit you know and of course a lot of people are like oh i wish people would sexually harass me i'm like no you don't i mean <laughs> it's 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 no you don't this is terrible you shouldn't treat another person this way so yeah i guess this is going to develop over the next couple of days and the next time we record we'll follow up with it and and just see where what people are saying and and whatnot and uh you can follow her on twitter this is where she's talking about it it's katie's game c-r-n-e-r it's corner without an o and uh yeah you can follow this along so moving on um some sad news on my front um Corvus Belly, the company that has that makes Infinity, is eliminating their Merovi, Merovi, Mero,
1: Merovingian
0: Merovingian forces, and that really really makes me sad because that's who I played. <laughs> it's essentially <laughs> these are future space French, and <laughs> they and not only that is they're part of the Arianda. Uh, company so they have werewolves and they have my favorite werewolf uh, Sergeant Duroc, because he can jump and, and you can see the artwork that's him there with the girl with the red hood on as well um, she is she's fielded with him and I cannot think of her name and yeah essentially the way it works is these big werewolves um, they won't jump out of planes to parachute in, which is something you can do in Infinity. Infinity. He's the only one, because you know she, he trusts Little Red Riding Hood there. So damn it, I am so sad that um they're 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 running these guys out. Of course, you can still play them and blah blah blah. But in the fluff, they all died. What what is the uh, the joke from the Simpsons that that dog character they tried to bring in, where he was oh c- yeah. Poochie. Poochie, yes. Poochie, yeah. Poochie died on the way back to his home planet.
1: <laughs> That's essentially
0: what they're doing, damn it. They're they're poochying them, and I'm mad. So, there we go. So,
1: did they do this for lore reasons, or is this just a change in product line that they're coming up with the reason for doing? Why'd they do this?
0: I'm believing it's both. I believe okay. they wanted to eliminate the product line. I pay, I may, you know usually it's they probably aren't selling as well as they like and they've been out for many many years and I guess and they they just wrote them out. I mean it, that's that's the whole reason why all the transformers died in Transformers the movie is like the company <laughs> stopped making all those Gen 1 Transformers and like yeah they all got to die and then we'll introduce all the new ones that the kids have to buy. So that's it. <laughs> it's very sad. Moving on to multi-man publishing news, Hatton in Flames.
1: Yeah, new historical module for ASL is coming out. Uh, I, of course, pre-ordered it because if I don't now, then won't be able to. I did not order Korea. Um, That was one that came out earlier this year, like in January, I think. And I'm going to get to play that, I'm sure, probably at the St. Louis ASL tournament coming up. Uh, next month, but this one looked good to me. I haven't played any historical ASL at all, and now that I've got groups of guys that I can play with and get more friends into it, um, for those of you who don't know, the big difference in historical ASL besides the maps actually more closely matching real battle conditions is that historical are usually played over a series of missions together, and the better you do on your first scenario the more advantages you'll have on the second scenario. So in ASL, whatever the victory condition is, you know that you can just if everybody on your team dies but you get whatever that victory condition is, hey, you won. Everything's done. With historical, it's not like that. You need to be able to continue fighting the next day. So historical are typically played over, you know, a few different scenarios in a row. So I'm looking forward to that and it was really cheap. Pre-order price is only 45. Compared to Red Barricades, which is a lot bigger, but that one was you know 130 or something like that.
0: Now, Re- now Red Factories is has not come out yet.
1: Yeah, and that's right. another one that's gonna come out. Yeah,
0: I have pre-ordered that one, and I pre-ordered it through. Did N- you? D- yeah, I pre-ordered it through NWS because. Oh, okay. I, yeah, the main reason I liked Red Factories was. Um, just because I like that particular p- bit of history, and um, yeah, I, I just wanted to have it just in case. Perhaps I'll I'll move to St. Louis and be able to play with you guys one day, and I'll, I'll break out my copy. <laughs> there you go. It, it'll be 15 years old, still in the shrink wrap, and like here we go. Or at the very least, you know what? If, damn it!
1: If we'll, nothing we'll pl- else, ten years from now you can sell it for yeah, five yeah. bucks. So
0: yeah. Well, damn it! We'll we'll play it on Vassal. You yeah know. definitely we'll, we'll play it on Vassal, but yeah this whole i'm really excited for that now i was going to ask you i was actually interested in this uh particular module hatton and flames because mm-hmm. uh it's it's got the french there is it self-contained does it have everything in it that i need to play or what i need to actually have french N- uh no counters
1: no, in fact, I was wondering about that myself because, like you said, it takes place in France. But if you notice, it does say that you need Beyond Valor and Yanks. So Beyond Valor contains German and Russian units, and Yanks contains American units. Uh, so it makes me wonder. I'm guessing this is just going to be Germans fighting Americans, even though it takes place in France. That mm. said, um, there are two counter sheets in there. So it could include some French units if they want to include those.
0: Yeah, you're right, because the French are currently out of print.
1: Yeah, that's Quadigare, I think it's called.
0: Yep, that's what it is. The map looks interesting, very white, but yeah. (laughs) I may actually end up ordering this one through through NWS. I have to see what his price is. I know with uh Red Factories like M&P's pre-order price is like 123 and his pre-order price is 105. Mm. So, you know. There you go. And do you ever actually order any like the action packs or anything like that?
1: Uh, I've got a couple of them from that I picked up at Game Night.
0: Okay, just curious.
1: Yeah. When I first got ASL I picked up some stuff just cuz I wanted to have some different maps and stuff to play with and then like I said for now I'm not although I just pre-ordered this I'm not ordering too much ASL stuff right now just cuz I have so much and other people around me have more that I can play the the one thing that I will insta buy when it comes out is Rising Sun so the Pacific Theater stuff when that comes out.
0: Oh yeah. That'll have Marines and Japanese, right?
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Okay. Which it's, it's been out of print for a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and it's out there if you want to spend four or 500 bucks for it, but I don't.
0: <laughs> is it coming out this year or just, just sometime no, in the future? No, the,
1: the starter kit, they're going to come out with a starter oh, kit 4 yeah. for Pacific Theater. That is coming out later this year, but there's I don't think Rising Sun has even been announced. Hmm. So All I right. would imagine at least a couple years for that.
0: Alright, moving on to uh, Fantasy Flight Games news. And there's much weeping and gnashing of teeth as Android Netrunner comes to a close. I don't know if you guys have ever played it or knew anybody that did. I knew a lot of people that bought in initially when it came out, but they've had this license and ran this game for so long that it's even gone into a second edition. Were, yeah, were like all I the have cards. the starter set. Okay, I had
2: the starter set. I think I got rid of it. The what I found was that quite the barrier to playing it was all of the terminology that was required. Like, so when they say the deck, well, they don't mean the deck of cards. They mean yeah. There was just there was a lot of uh, a lot of terminology and jargon to to you had to digest to kind of understand how to play, which is yes. fine for theme, but you know for learning to play is kind of a pain
1: yeah this one always fascinated me but i have never played it so i'm i'm a little sad also to see it go away just because i probably won't ever play it now the theme is fascinating to me but seems like between there's a like a netrunner rpg also in this and every time i hear people talk about netrunner they talk about how great the theme is and there's just – it seems like there's a lot of implementations of it that don't quite live up to what people were expecting. So it's part of the reason I never got into it.
2: Now, Richard, was there a ga- there was a game that you played that was um, kind of cyberpunk running the net kind of thing, right? Renegade.
1: Renegade, yeah. Renegade, yes. Yep. Yeah, I played that a couple times with my daughter, and we're enjoying it. So yeah, okay. sort of the same theme. All right. I, that one's kind of like – Mage Knight meets Netrunner in a way. Okay. But, yeah, so
2: I see Netrunner, you know, for sale at my, in my FLGS. And I'm sure there's people that play it, but I don't know any of them.
1: Yeah, it's I've seen it in mine, too. And I wonder, when Fantasy Flight lost their agreement with Games Workshop last year, they lost, what was it, Warhammer?
0: Okay. Oh, yeah, and the, then, the LCG, yeah
1: and then i think there was a date where stores couldn't even sell it anymore so i wonder if the same thing is going to happen here and i wonder if anyone else is going to pick up uh, the the netrunner ip
0: it's like i don't i don't really understand why you know, i guess it's just not profitable for them i guess either they don't they feel like they're not enough sales were justify the cost of whatever it was or maybe the company wants too much I don't even know who owns Netrunner. No idea. Is it? Didn't the article say Watsi? Oh, really? Ooh,
1: I guess that would make sense. Man, maybe. Wouldn't surprise me if that's true. Anyway.
0: Yeah. Who, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I yeah, think you're it's right. Watsi. Okay. Well, I get. I guess maybe they're gonna do their own thing. Hmm. I know this was like the first LCG that they realize the problem with LCGs. And that is once you release enough uh, expansions for it, it becomes prohibitive for somebody to buy into it. It's like, you want to play Debt Runner, but okay, well you need to dump out $600 on all these different sets in order to play it competitively. So mm-hmm. what they, what they have to do is they have to turn around and, and kill it and go, okay, that was version one, and now we're <laughs> going to start over with version two. Which I argue that is what they did with X-Wing, because X-Wing got so big with so many ships and so many cards and all that stuff, it became prohibitive for people to buy into it. So the yeah. best way to do that is to kill it and just you know go from there.
1: X Wing got needlessly complicated at the end, in my opinion, too, or too many effects. I mean, there's too much going on, where it was no longer a game of predicting where your opponent is going to be, predicting where you're going to be. Uh, it just got to be too much at the end.
0: I know a lot of things they are fixing because uh, it will be done through an app. Right. So they can, like, adjust, like, all your cards and stuff are going to be on an app. So they can adjust point costs and and all this stuff on the fly, which I think is really cool. So in the next thing we had for Fantasy Flight is they announced, speaking of LCGs, the uh, Legend of the Five Rings core RPG rulebook. And I love the background for L5R. I love it. I love the card game. I just can't seem to find a game. Maybe I should start playing it online. Apparently there's several different ways to do that. Uh, because we had a whole bunch of people buy into it. I mean, they spent thousands of dollars at the store with this big group of people buying into it and now, they, I guess they play at home. Nobody comes to the store to play. It's annoying. But <laughs> I, we knew this was coming. Um, and yeah, finally the rule book has been announced. And it will be fantastic artwork fantastic background and um i can't recommend it enough
1: so how many versions of l5r have there been in role-playing games
0: um before there was a... before this one there was fourth edition so this okay. technically will be fifth edition
1: and were those d20 games all of them or some of them uh
0: I want to say at least one was, but I'm not sure about the other ones. I want to say they were kind of most of them were kind of like D and D style, where you know you had D sixes for some things, D fours, yeah. you know, and and like that. I don't think it was pure D twenty except for one particular edition that they were trying to get some cross pollination with um, Dungeons and Dragons with. Okay but if I'm remembering that correctly. And if I'm not, it's yeah. chanceofgaming at gmail.com. Or just at me on Twitter. Like, no, dummy, you got it wrong. Or just comment in this um, <laughs> this episode, like people have started doing, which is weird. Get a little notification on my phone, so-and-so comment, and I'm like, oh, shit. What did Hey, I do? B-
1: Mitch is great. You can't say anything yeah. bad about Mitch.
0: It was great. It was like, <laughs> yeah, he was correcting us. He was like, no, 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 guys, you got that wrong. It's like this, like this. That's fine. Just let me know. Let me know. So, I guess that brings us about to the end of the podcast. Uh, Roy, where can people find you ranting about the president? Uh,
2: You can follow me on Twitter at RoyToyCowboy. And if you follow me, I'll follow you back. And uh, special thanks to Twitter user BoardGameSkunkWorks who followed me, and I followed him back. Him or her, I guess. That's nice. Uh, So, it appears that uh, BoardGameSkunkWorks does a bunch of 3d printing and does uh, kind of additional little um, game accessories um, so he and I apparently have similar interests because I do the same sort of thing I do things out of wood and uh, um, dice boxes dice trays things like that
0: have you thought about doing an Etsy shop
2: I have I just haven't yet so okay. just curious I feel like I have to have have that to have product for that ah uh, yeah. I'm more of a commission kind of person.
0: Ah, okay. Uh,
2: but I'm going to Dice Tower Con in the beginning of July in Orlando. Uh, if you're going, uh, hit me up, and I'll, we'll meet up. And I'm also going to Grand Con in Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's September 14th through
0: 16th. Awesome. And, Rich, they can find you at stlwargamers.com?
1: Yeah, that's my website that I have been kind of neglecting um, just cuz work has been crazy but I need to get back on that. That's the best place to find information about the St. Louis Historical Gaming Society as well. Although we've been trying to direct people more toward our board game geek board game geek guild page as well. So look at us for look for us at St. Louis Historical Gaming Society on Board Game Geek or look for me at Trapeer Junior on Twitter.
0: All right. That brings us to the end of the podcast, and we hope you enjoyed it. We certainly enjoyed making it, and we'll see you next time.
1: Good night, everybody. Roll some dice.